Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today we're talking about improving our reporting on cybersecurity stories. When we think about cybersecurity, it's easy to get carried away with language and imagery of hackers, robots, and all sorts of advanced sci-fi technology. The reality is that cybersecurity is an everyday concern, and futuristic and oversimplified narratives are unhelpful for audiences and not good motivators for experts to speak to the press. My guest today is Catherine Chapman, an independent journalist who specialises in cybersecurity reporting and the author of a recent survey on how the wider media reports on the subject. It's fair to say it's a small but highly specialised sample size. She found that two-thirds of experts, of whom work for the likes of Google, Amazon and the US government, feel that mainstream media news outlets are guilty of technical inaccuracies and sensationalism in its reporting. We'll be talking about the knowledge gaps that exist on both sides, the mistakes that journalists make in their reporting, and the experts' expectations of the media. Ultimately, Catherine wants to bridge the gap because both sides need each other to help the general public become more cyber secure. That's all to come, but first, this. Journalism.co.uk is bringing you four days of virtual panel discussions and workshops at our next digital journalism conference, News Rewired. Join us next week from the 18th of May, where we will discuss how to get on board with emerging social platforms, how journalists can use AI in their everyday reporting, the future of work for newsrooms, and much, much more. For the full agenda and tickets, head over to newsrewired.com, and we'll see you there. Catherine, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. What's the working situation like for yourself at the moment? Um, right now, I am working at home. Uh, I've actually just made it back to the UK after spending most of the pandemic in Canada. So I have cleared my uh, quarantine, as it were, and it feels like, you know, I can, and can finally emerge to um, the world that slowly opening up here in London. Mm, back to business then. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely been um, a hectic time for all of us in the working world, but trying to sort of get back to a normality. Uh, it's been a busy, busy couple of months for yourself with, with the research that you've been working on, Catherine, about how the media uh, reports on cybersecurity stories. It, it's a really good starting point for, for such an important subject to all of us over the last sort of 12, 15 months where we've been in lockdown inside. You and I are a perfect example of, of the way that our working world has, has sort of changed. And indeed for the general population, for their news consumption, cybersecurity is becoming so much more important to them, right? Absolutely. I mean, with the, uh, with the pandemic, there has been so many you know, um, COVID-19 related cyber scams. And it's been constant. It might have something to do with a vaccine. It might have something to do with, you know, unemployment benefits. And all these things have been so um, focused on cyber. And on top of that, now that we're not outside all the time, there's been an increase in, in cyber crime and in criminal networks uh, going more into the cyber world and, and cyber crime rather than focusing on, you know, um, more traditional forms of, of theft or burglary. Very interesting. You know, a general top line of the, of the research so far really is that cybersecurity experts, you know, some of whom work for Google, Amazon, the US government, really do think the mainstream media, not so much trade publications, do quite a poor job of reporting on cybersecurity. 
I think um, your research went as far as to say there's sector animosity towards the news media. Can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, they they generally thought um, that the news media or the mainstream news media, um, when it came to their representation of, of cybersecurity or the cybersecurity industry, the, it was bias, inaccuracy, and sensationalism were the three main uh, factors that, that came out from that. While this was the response from cybersecurity professionals, their news habits will be different from ours. I would say. So a lot of these respondents, they also were asked a question of where do you get your news from? And a lot of it will be social media. It'll be Reddit or, or Twitter mostly, or they've created an RSS feed to get news that's important to them. And it was kind of difficult to ascertain of whether that's, you know, is, is news media so bad that you know that's why you just don't read it at all or is there something else going on there where you're just not getting your news consumption from these more traditional mediums and and publications um so it was generally a a bad review i think that one of the quotes was you know that that journalists uh have this over-reliance of using uh, science fiction or popular culture in order to illustrate uh, something. And, and that generally, um, you think it might be a way to engage readers, but it, it's also a way to potentially uh, make readers less secure. Yeah. Can you give me a flavor of some of that science fiction kind of uh, terminology? Yeah, I think my favorite one is when we're de- dealing with um, artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. So when, whenever I think mainstream publications report on this, it, it's just automatically we're at Skynet and, you know, the Terminator is coming. And I think that what's really interesting about this and what I have also been like gr- grateful to be in a, in a position, you know, where I work with information security professionals to learn this is that something like machine learning is is a concept that has been around for a long time it's something that is within so many of our tools and yet we're talking about it like it's this futuristic thing and i think that i think that there's a lot of of those things that have been within the industry for a long time and almost get repackaged and resold with a new top line to the mainstream news media and so we're kind of in this cycle of of regurgitated narratives. Another great example is encryption. And and this is maybe less science fiction and more a cybersecurity concept that gets almost misconstrued or or corrupted for political means. Um, And where, you know, encryption is is a safety tool for digital communication, but a lot of the general population will immediately think uh, terrorism when when we're talking about something like like encryption and I think that's also to do why why cybersecurity has it difficult is because you also have to deal with the political polarization of of the mainstream media. Cybersecurity to me is something that is a bipartisan issue and doesn't necessarily fit into those those two um, you know hacks. I think you touched there previously on kind of the inaccuracies which which came out of um, the cybersecurity experts. How significant are those inaccuracies? I think that when you get rid of all these potential nuances within cybersecurity, then you almost have this sensationalism versus how bad is a security issue. What that means is that shuts a lot of people down and not wanting to take simple steps in order to keep themselves secure. 
you might have something that sounds like a really flashy cyber attack and and you know it, it, it you're getting back into those you know cyberpunk narratives but then at the same time how does the hacker get into uh, an individual's network is typically by a phishing email is typically which that means is clicking on a link that you shouldn't click on but of course that's not really that sexy to to portray if that makes sense so so is inaccuracy i think this might be like this this huge gray area that it seems like very flashy and potentially over uh, sensationalized, but, but at the same time, that, that's because, you know, nine out of 10 times a, a, a criminal hacker will, will get into a person's computer just because they've, they've clicked on a wrong link. And, and that's not really something that you portray very easily when it comes to storytelling, is it? Yeah, well, help me understand which kind of side of the fence we're on here, because if if cybersecurity experts are saying we're getting certain things wrong, that's quite alarming. But at the same time, um, you know, nuances to a technical expert may not matter to who journalist stories are actually tailored for, which is generally the the general population. So I, I come back to this question, like how significant are these inaccuracies? Does it really matter if tech experts are are saying that we're not really being specific enough here with our nuances? Well, I think that's like an excellent question when it, when it, like as a journalist that I think that you're almost not going to be able to please everybody when you are dealing with certain technical experts or you're dealing with, with certain people in academia, for instance, who have, you know, put so much into their research that they're always going to find something wrong with your article. They're always going to, they're always going to find mistakes in it. And I think that that's something that the, information security industry actually needs to learn about journalism. There's a knowledge gap about how journalism works. But I think in order to maybe uh, create less animosity that that we might need to act more transparently about our own journalistic practice when we're working with these with these tech experts or security experts and things like that. Do you kind of see a, a shared ground there? What, what does that potentially look like? I think that journalists have an amazing skill to produce great storytelling, which is something that the cybersecurity industry desperately needs right now. They need good relationships with with the media in order to do their jobs and make people more secure. And 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 they also recognize that storytelling rather is a powerful tool and able to communicate uh, things like cyber risk. Uh, at the same time, I think that journalists and the media are in a very difficult position because the media will also get used a lot. There's the Bloomberg super microchips that happened about um, the hardware supply chain being um, hacked by or infiltrated by by Chinese spies. And Bloomberg had gone out and gotten anonymous sources to back them up about this supply chain hack. And as soon as the article came out, everyone within the cybersecurity industry refuted the article and said that that wasn't that wasn't true. And, and I just think that what's going on there, if a reputable publication, maybe they wanted to sell more publications, or maybe they got, you know, screwed over by the people that were, that were talking to them and giving them comment. And so I think it's a very difficult space for journalists to want to operate in, because we have this technical knowledge gap, and, and it's almost difficult to fact check in a way. And so I think that journalists 
and media can often get used by the kind of smoke and mirrors that often takes over the, the cybersecurity industry. Knowing who to speak to is something which was quite pronounced in, in your report as well. I mean, I think it says about an, an over-reliance on PR agencies, which which distorts perhaps the story. When it comes to those crucial contacts, you know, who do you need in your black book of contacts and, and how do you really make those contacts? Mm. That's a really good question. And I think that like goes back to the, are we going to find common ground? Because it's those contacts that are going to be able to, you know, have these two industries work together while understanding that there are, as I said, these competing motivations. If a journalist is interested in building contacts within within the cybersecurity industry and moving away from from PR agencies, then the best way to do that is to is to get online and to get in that, you know, infosec Twitter is is what they call it, and and to be able to contact people that way. And and the information security community who's online like that, you can easily speak to them in the public space and they'll give you answers back. And I think that that's the best way to develop those contacts is online within the Twitterverse, as it were, Um, which is, you know, a bit strange because you're dealing with people who are, you know, have strange avatars and, you know, anonymous names. And what I found from doing the surveys that journalists said that there was almost a lack of experts. So they had a lack of access to experts within the cybersecurity industry. And I think that's the two-way street that we need to build where, Perhaps we have to be more transparent about journalism so that those who are cybersecurity experts can also provide us more with what we need easily. Because a lot of the feedback I got was, you know, I don't, I'm still kind of confused. There's almost a lack of expertise. But of course, there's not a lack of expertise, just a, a lack of access to expertise, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's precisely one of the reasons why PR agencies are so appealing to news organizations, because it gives you that immediate access to experts at the same time their motivations may not be the same as what you're what you're looking for yeah and of course of course there's you know the time constraints that we must recognize that journalists have today and we also have to recognize how complicated it is to know everything about cybersecurity, let alone write 800 words about it in you know a morning for some people and, and so I think that it's really easy when a PR agency sends you a, a quote to, to take that quote and, and to use that quote. And, and, and so I think that we just need to be um, more, I think what we see is actually journalists quoting more off of Twitter, of uh, public statements on Twitter than we do using those PR agency or rent a quote uh, statements. And that's not, that's not trying to say, criticize all PR agencies. I mean, there's great companies out there who are, yes, trying to sell products, but are still providing, you know, their experts in security to, to bring them forward. And I think that's just back to journalism 101 is, is, is don't, don't use the same expert over and over again. A typical subject that Catherine might cover regularly would be web hacking and looking into the techniques used by individuals to infiltrate computer systems, ranging from highly specific to fairly general. Throughout the pandemic, there have been many such stories around Zoom breaches where personal data was hacked. In a typical story like this, Catherine tells us where an ordinary journalist might go wrong in reporting that story.
that they'll provide a proof of concept. So they will say, this is how I demonstrated that this device or this software is, is hackable. And so a lot of the times you will get something called a bug report or a proof of concept, and you will have this like very technical writing. And it's about knowing what part of what they're saying is helpful. And, and that can be very difficult and very easy to get wrong because um, it doesn't make any sense. I remember the first time I looked at it, like, and you're looking up words and that's not even helping. And then there's just, you know, code mixed in with it. And you're trying to understand what, what is this saying, but then also what's the most important piece of information. And I think that, I think that once you do it a few times, it can be quite easy because that's just the like thing that we learn as journalists when, you know, someone gives a political speech, what's the most important part of that speech. What's really amazing is how you can look at these technical reports. And once you become um, skilled at, at reading them, you can write a whole story from them. So it, it, I think that that's quite quite interesting is how, you know, a few lines of code and, and of course, a few sentences can suddenly become uh, a story that is of, of some kind of significance. What helps you wrap your head around it and like identify what where, where the story is nestled in and amongst all the data and statistics and other confusing <laughs> parts of that report? I've had a lot of help. Um, I, like I said, I've, I've been very privileged to work with um, security researchers and, and hackers who have been like from day one, you know, the, you know, my first day would, would be like, why are you putting these words like in the sentence? And I would say, cause it sounds good and better. And they'd be like, but you've just made this whole thing wrong by using that word or it doesn't make sense. And so I've been very lucky because I've had access to as in worked alongside um, hackers and security researchers who have effectively been able to to train me as it as it were the the things that I, I would say that is difficult for journalists who want to cover the speech but is something that you should look for is, is is to get a fact checker like unless you've been in the industry a long time how are you going to fact check this person who's just given you a bunch of code and said you know here's here's your story and so I think that it's important that Perhaps when we're talking about more transparency within within journalism, something that, you know, when I was taught in my journalism training is very rarely show your interview subject your your story that you're going to publish because, you know, that that sounds terrible. Right. They'll be all over it. They'll be, um, you know, ripping it apart and then you might not end up publishing it. You might get in trouble. And I think that what needs to happen within cybersecurity reporting is, is perhaps journalists being more lenient of 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 showing their articles and, and getting at least some parts checked, uh, which is something that I've kind of um, had to learn a lot is I've, I've been a lot more liberal with, with sending quotes for, for individuals to, to check, for instance. I want to, I want to come back to something you just, you just said there. When exactly can the need for a more engaging story create inaccuracies? Do you have any good examples of that? Um, I think that a lot of times when we're speaking about um, 5G, for instance, and 5G infrastructure, I think this is something that we, suddenly everyone's like, wait, what are we talking about when we're talking about 5G and, and the legitimate security issues that, that, that come with it? And I think that a lot of times that this is a story that's almost infamous for creating that uh, almost sensationalist line about um, Chinese control of, of the network rather than having a um, sort of 
careful discussion of, of what the security issues might be when it comes to um, implementing uh, implementing a 5G infrastructure. That's the immediate one that, that comes to mind that often gets like uh, misconstrued a lot or over-exaggerated and it makes a really good story, but I don't think that we're really having any serious discussions ab about security through that. And I think what another point is that if journalists want to get into the cybersecurity industry, people within the cybersecurity industry want to have positive discussions about security. And so if we're kind of over-exaggerating or amplifying certain narratives, and that's the line that we're going for as journalists all the time, there's a, there's a chance that you might no longer be welcomed into the community. Right. So that could have a real um, ramification on, on experts willing to speak to you and, and uh, you know, a reluctance for sources to come forward. Yeah, or and, and, and with that, a lack of access to conferences. So again, if journalists were interested in getting involved in the in InfoSec community, cybersecurity industry, conferences is a great way to do that. Um, and there's lots of uh, examples online, both from a community level and a more industry-focused level. But but the reality is, as press, if, for certain events, because we're, we're talking about, you know, security, if, if, if you're always going to ask about, you know, Russian hackers, it's unlikely that you're going to get, gain access to certain talks or to gain access to certain conferences. And so I think that's a really important thing to note when, when covering cybersecurity and thinking about um, your sources. Yeah. On the other side of the coin, the best way to kind of build reputation, prestige, cachet in, in, in this kind of uh, industry? How do you do that? Uh, I think accuracy for sure. I think that, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of feedback on on my articles, which maybe haven't been the, the sexiest story or the biggest story, but I've gotten feedback that said, oh, you know, lots of people covered it and that's been the most accurate one that really captured the issue. And so to me that I think I think accuracy is uh, is the number one thing in order to kind of make your make a name for yourself. I mean, becoming an, an expert in in cyber crime and in cyber criminal groups is is an, is another way to do that because that's a topic that is uh, very popular and um, and one that um, readers are interested in. Great advice. I imagine uh, interviewing experts has as many sort of perils and pitfalls when you typically interview an expert they'll reel off a long-winded technical reply and you're sort of sort of uh backpedaling a bit to unpick exactly what they've said how do you kind of ensure that um you've really understood everything that experts say so that is accurate in your in your story my number one thing is don't be afraid to ask so-called stupid questions like you will be made to feel like you are like you know not as intelligent as you are but I've always just said, well, I, you know, I've, I've just asked how this works. I'm not going to be afraid to say, and now how does that work? I just feel like you need to just keep asking the, it might seem stupid because you've asked it a bunch of times, but I think it's important to, to, to get it right. And so don't be afraid to ask as, as many questions as possible, I would say. Don't, don't take the eye rolls personally then. Exactly. And I mean, this is, I mean, I, I, I love the colleagues that I have made within, within the cybersecurity industry, but um, I have no problem telling them that they're not the greatest with, with communication. And so sometimes you just have to, you have to take the eye rolls, as you said. And I think it's also important 
to recognize, I feel like that journalists have quite this power because we also have to recognize that there's this, this knowledge gap that the cybersecurity industry has of, of the journalism industry. And, and I think that it's important to recognize and, and maybe offer a bit of transparency to, to build trust uh, with them that way. Um, and it's also important to recognize that um, hackers or security professionals also have a um, ethical code of practice that they follow, much like journalism. And that's something I think that gets forgotten. So um, I say, don't ask, uh, I say, don't be afraid to ask stupid questions, but also naturally don't ask them like, can you hack something? Or can you like, you know, try to understand that they have these, you know, legal and ethical considerations that, that they follow when, when, when they do their work. Then kind of finally for me then, what's what's next for research into this area what else sort of still remains to be kind of fully understood in this area i think that um something that i'd like to focus on is that um lack of access to to experts that that we've been talking about and find if there's a way to create easier pathways for journalists and um cybersecurity professionals to communicate so i think this first piece of research which came out, which helped fuel a white paper that I wrote for a cybersecurity conference last year, um, the ISC Security Congress. I, I think that what that's kind of painted the picture of what the industry looks like. And now I'd like to focus on how we can create better communication pathways be between these two groups, because um, wh whether that is to for journalists to learn more about cybersecurity, whether it's so we can have a, a you know, um, whether a security researcher needs to have a bug fixed, because often if that happens, then a then a journalist will come on board and, and be able to pressure companies in order to to fix security issues. And so there's this this real uh, close relationship that I'd like to find now a more practical way to to connect the two. Um, I'm also uh, obsessed with. The idea of uh, visualizing uh, cybersecurity and getting rid of those Terminator imagery and finding better ways to uh, describe these invisible narratives that happens within our with what happens within our machine. So um, I think that there's real value in being able to rebrand uh, images through through visual journalism and and, and the like. I'll be sure to keep an eye out for for all of those things. It sounds very interesting. And just thank you so much for today coming on the podcast, sharing all of your great advice with uh, with our listeners. Thank you, Jacob. I hope you yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Great to speak to Catherine there and lots to take away from this conversation. If experts are worried about journalists misconstruing technical concepts, then don't feel awkward about asking them simple questions. Accuracy helps to build positive reputation in that community and will grant access to more experts down the line, but it also helps audiences grapple with complex subjects which are increasingly relevant to them. Getting a second expert opinion on your story before it goes out also does no harm. If you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. If you'd like to feature on the show, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.